Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Inside the Mind of Miles. I'm here with my co-host, producer, great friend, Gregory Eaton. Greg is, uh, uh, hello, Greg, how are you, man? Welcome to hey. the Mind of Miles. Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. You're well aware of the Mind of Miles because we've been doing this together for eight or nine years. Greg was yes. my, video, my video guy at CSU. Greg, quickly, just tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, you had Goodman on for your first show, so all you did was swap out one Massachusetts guy for another. So I'm not sure if it was much of an upgrade, but it's not. Yeah, yeah right. Um, you know, I've been with Coach Miles for eight years, one at Colorado State, and then seven years at Nebraska. And I wear a hat these days because my hairline, <laughs> since working for Coach, has really gone downhill. So it used to be a good, clean divot with a wedge. It was really good, and yeah, it's, just, you know, it's going back. I, I got to wear the ball cap now to cover it up. So that's okay. That. Hey, really looking forward to this. The great part about uh, uh, you're just more handsome than than uh, Jeff Goodman anyway. But uh, <laughs> Greg, you've been a great basketball mind and a good friend and on our staff for a long time, various capacities, latest director of basketball operations. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying a virtual um, a virtual uh, uh, deal here tonight. I see you've got the Lord of the Rings on. I do. It's, it was always my pre. Are you one of those nuts? Are you a nut job? Uh, you know, you you could probably say that. I mean, you work with me long enough, and I think everybody <laughs> close enough to me knows that. <laughs> Greg's got his own um, uh, parody uh, Twitter account, uh, not tweeting Greg Eaton. Yes, yes. Yeah. We're still, it, do we know who runs that yet? We don't know. We know where he sits, but we don't know who it is. We have an idea of where he sits in the in the stands. In the stands? Generally just a bad person, it sounds like. He, he is a bad person. But, uh, you know, all those guys are. Well, you know, maybe I've been missing, uh, watching too many politics and, and all the, the news shows, but I have no doubt we have the world's greatest podcast ever, ever in the whole world, in the entire world. We have the best people. We have the best guests. It's just done better. Than, I mean, like I could tape this in a bathroom and nobody would know. And that's how good this podcast is. Yes. It's, it's just, it's, it's the best ever. So I want our fans to know how happy we are. Um, uh, we had um, Fran McCaffrey on our, as our first guest, and, and that was a lot of fun. We talked about a lot of stuff. Greg, you probably remember me telling you this one, a story I didn't include with Fran, but when I came home from my first Big Ten meeting, of course, Fran and I talked about some of the brouhaha stuff going on. But also, um, when I was fortunate enough to be the coach at, at – uh, North Dakota State in 2006, we um, started four freshmen and upset. Uh, we upset University of Wisconsin. I mean, we had Ben Woodside, Michael Nelson, Brett Winkleman, Andre Smith, uh, Lucas Mormon. We had all these young guys. Uh, I think Tom Lundy, Phil Hahn were all with us, and, and they were number 13 in the country. It was a huge upset and really put North Dakota State on the national map. The next year, Next season, same calendar year, we beat Marquette when they were eight in the country, and that was Tom Crean. So Bo Ryan and Tom Crean. So my first meeting at the very beginning of the meeting, I sit down and Bo Ryan's there early. He says, hey, Miles, go get me a cup of coffee. And I kind of <laughs> uh, looked at him, you know, funny, like, what in the hell? Like, okay. And he says, hey, if it wasn't for me and Crean, you wouldn't even be in this room. Get me a cup of coffee. And I'm like, cream or sugar? Cream or sugar? <laughs> what do you say? Does he like his hot and blonde? In a uh, uh, I think so. That's the way I like it. Yeah. Uh, like my wife. And, uh, <laughs> and it's good stuff. You know, as we go forward through this, today's guest is Porter Mosier. And 
and we had talked about a lot of stuff. Um, you've watched Porter, uh, that remarkable run for them into the final four. Mm -hmm. Yes. You can't answer. No, no, no. You can't just say yes. No, I was going to go on but, and just talk but, about how, how good of a player. I, I mean, you, you said I've served in a variety of roles, you know, with you on staff. And the, the one summer I was fortunate enough to go on the road, um, I remember watching Cameron Crutwood play. Oh, yeah. And, and really liking his game. And, you know, when, when you see a big body, sometimes it, people aren't attracted to that. And he's just such a skilled player. And they've really been able to build around him and find the pieces to make him thrive and, and really, like you said, make a, go on a great run and make a name for themselves. Yeah, he kind of reminds you of those European, like a short, stronger, stockier version of the Gasol brothers, of uh, uh, Vlade Divac, you know, uh, of, of, of Jokovic right now. Yes. And, you know, just that European big with excellent skill, great timing, excellent passing. Uh, you know, he's built his whole offense around – usually you build your whole offense around – you know, your point guard or your shooting or your whatever. And it's always interesting when you build your offense around a big that doesn't always play in the low post. And it really changes the whole schematic of the game to me. And that's exactly right. I mean, a lot of the Valley is built guard oriented. And I mean, that's why they're so much difficult to, to scout, to prep for. And, you know, I mean, he's been phenomenal there. And they've gotten great pieces to support him. Yeah, we're going to have a couple other guys in the Valley in, too. You know, Ben Jacobson's a, a guy I've known for a long time and a, a coach I really respect. And, of course, uh, Kyle Green is his assistant coach, and A.J. Green is one of the best point guards in the country. We're going to get all those guys on in the same room and, and, and chop it up here in a few weeks. So one of our excellent uh, guests that we've got coming up. And, and uh, you know, one thing I, I think, folks, what you'll like about this interview with Porter is you'll see his energy, his passion, and his rooted in, he's really rooted in goodness and all about the right things. He's got his own book out called All In, which I'm going to promote for him. Uh, uh, he was <laughs> supposed to send me an autographed copy, but then he claimed I was a cheapskate because I wouldn't spend 14 bucks on it. But, you know, I've got a book too. You know, Nebraska <laughs> ball, I don't see any, any help on it, but it's available on Amazon, but it's hardcover, so it's a little more expensive. Did Porter buy that or no? Did you give him a signed copy? You know, I think I forgot to bring it up, which has always been kind <laughs> of a, you know, uh, a tough deal. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to introduce Porter Moser and Loyola and myself uh, talking basketball. Loyola of Chicago, the Ramblers. We talk about a little bit of everything from basketball to Sister Jean to the Final Four run to other jobs. We hope you enjoy the interview. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thanks for watching Inside the Mind of Miles. I have with me a close personal friend, Porter Moser, head coach at Loyola Chicago. Uh, Porter, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you having me, Tim. Well, you know, this is the best podcast ever. In all the history of all podcasts, you are on the best podcast ever. You know, I love how you intro is saying close personal friends. We have been. But then you go ahead and you mispronounce my name. It's Moser, not Mosier. You know who you are. I just had, I had to start you know with who you are. <laughs> you know, I mean, so was that the Polish version? Is that the Mosier? Yeah, there's so many worse things that rhymes with Mosier. You know, it just, it just. <laughs> It's one of those things about your nicknames over the years. Well, that, that's how close you and I are. I just call you <laughs> Porter. I had to bust you right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah you do. And I like your wife better, Megan, anyway. Uh, she's uh, way classier than you. You're not hey, alone. Porter, um, you are a darling in college basketball. I mean, there's According so many who. things. 
uh, that uh, people love you. They love your energy uh, and your story. And certainly that came to fruition with a Final Four run uh, two years ago. Just tell me the enormity of all of that and the feelings and the experience of that Final Four run for you and the Ramblers. Um, it's, it's hard to, to sum it all up because there's so many ways I can go and answer that question. You know, one, you know, you can start first of all with my faith, you know, having gone through what I went through, getting fired, and then being able to reinvent myself and not have that be my story and to stay positive and with friends and family and, and to get the opportunity to coach Loyola and then much less take a, a program that was down to the Final Four. So my faith was a huge part of what I was feeling, of the enormity. Um, then the stage, I mean, it's just, I've always, Tim, I mean, I've, I've, I just got my certificate from the NABC. I'm 30 years in the NABC, which just blows my mind. <laughs> but I, I remember going from at a young age, I used to go to all the practices and all that when I was going to the Final Fours. Yeah, the open but, free practices are always fun, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I think that sometimes the games there were anticlimactic. What I was always just absolutely obsessed with was the Elite Eight game and to go to the Final Four. And I'd watch the teams get the, the, the trophy presented, and I'd watch the confetti to come down. And I just remember going, I can't imagine the pure joy that everyone there is going through right now, being on that stage, knowing that night, like what are they gonna do the next five hours? Yeah. Like that night they're all, and just I was just to sit there, and uh, I still have my shirt that I didn't take to the dry cleaners that has the maroon and gold confetti that came into here when I got doused with water, it like spilled all over my shirt. Yeah, stained, right? Just, yeah, it was just an amazing moment to sit there. The families that we had, like just really close team families, people, and the celebration. Just to, to think, like I remember sitting there. We all had our, we all had these like final four hats, and we're sitting there. And it, I don't know how late it was. We're just sitting there, like like punching each other. We're going to the final four. Like it was just so cool. But then the next day, you're right back going. All right, Michigan. We gotta play. We gotta play <laughs> yeah, Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> you start getting into mode about who you're playing and. I tell you, when we got to the Final Four, San Antonio, it was just surreal. It couldn't have been a better place to be with San Antonio. And then San Antonio is one of the best venues oh. just by relation to the hotels and the fans and the river walk. And it's not far from the dome where you play the games. Oh, our hotel sat on the river and it was like up and down the gondola, the, the boats of people chanting their teams. And it was, uh, they had, it was just, it was really cool. But I, I tell you, with, as I could talk about all the good things, but it still, it still eats at me. You know, we were up 10 in the second half to play on Monday night. We're, we're going to get to that later. Okay. Boy. All right. Okay. So <laughs> are, you, are you plugging in my therapist video yeah. on the other? All the time? Yeah. Hey, introducing Porter's uh, therapist Porter, to keep him sane. Porter, uh, would you like to call a lifeline here, please? Uh, <laughs> Tim's got so, all surprises for me today. So, so tell me, you know, the most fascinating, one of the most fascinating stories was Sister Jean. And we can't, we would be remiss by not saying, first of all, we know who her favorite uh, coach not coaching uh, is right now, which I, I believe she did send me a happy birthday message. She did. Right? She, she did. did. So I screenshotted that, sent it to my family, and they told me I was lying because Porter promised to send me the clip. He didn't send the clip. You know, we're close personal friends. Well, uh, I, I was sending it for so you could get forgiveness for some of the things you've said <laughs> over the years. I mean, so, not, not, not to help bless you. It was more of a forgiveness message from sister. Uh, and, and well-deserved on that. Touche. But uh, as we, <laughs> that's a deep story. But I love <laughs> Sister Jean. Uh, and she really does have an active role. This is not a, a 
prop. This is not a person that's not involved. She's all in. So the, the, the moment I got the job, um, I've, I've, I've just finished nine years at Loyola. When I got the job, um, I, I came in my office and there was a, a manila folder sitting on my desk. One said scheduling. It was like the games I was inheriting. And one, it just said Coach Moser. And I opened it up and it was a, a handwritten letter from Sister Dolores Schmidt saying, I'm your team chaplain. Welcome to Loyola. All this. I thought I would include uh, a scouting report from every returning player that you have. So I'm like, no way. Like, I, I knew that my chaplain was uh, a, sis, uh, a nun in her 90s. And so I'm reading it, and it was like a detailed report. Like, it, what was hilarious is, I'm not going to say the guy's name, but one was she's like, you got to toughen him up. He's really soft. <laughs> and I'm like, reading it, I'm like, hysterical. And I hadn't even met her yet then. But she's, she, um, she's at every home game. She used to travel to a lot of the local road games. Uh, she blesses our guys, takes each hand, and gives them a quick blessing before they take the court. Um, and that's how the phenomenon kind of started was we beat Miami and we're running off the floor and all of a sudden all the guys were hugging her and all the media people were like, whoa, 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 what's that? What's, what, what are all these guys hugging this, this nun in a wheelchair for? And then that's when the story broke. But that yeah. was like normal stuff for us. She is a treasure. And uh, 101? 100? She just turned 101 in August. Yeah. When's her birthday? August 22nd, or 21st or 22nd. I'm the 20th before mine. I'm the 20th and you are the, the 24th. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Um, you guys aren't quite Leo's, but all the same, we'll accept you into the August family. So that's awesome. Hey, Virgos, she, Virgos. My grandmother lived to be 101 and was sharp as a tack till the last day. And I, when I see sister Jean, she reminds me of my grandmother brings up such cool thoughts. Um, what, what a great story that is. Well, anytime you have success, Porter, you get courted by jobs and you have been, Supported by bigger leagues, more money, but you stay at Loyola. Um, tell me about how that goes through your head and those processes uh, work for you. Well, I just, you know, I, I think of a handful of people, my family, you know, the happiness, I, I, my team, the guys, am I happy? I had a coach tell me about eight or nine years ago, you know, on reason why he didn't take another job is don't run from happiness. And, um, but it's not to say I'm not going to take another job, you know. Um, it just, it hasn't been the right time. Um, you know, I, I love where I'm at. Uh, I, I love the people at Loyola. I love my AD, Steve Watson, I work for. I, I really, my coaches, my players, the community at Loyola. Um, I'm from Chicago, but so it just hasn't been the right time. And, um, you know, I just, I feel like we got some more to do here, a lot more to do here, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to take another job. I, I do have, you know, you always have aspirations to, to do things, but, um, it just hasn't been the right time for me. Well, when you've been that close to Monday night, you figure sometimes those bigger jobs can help you get closer. And uh, you never know. And, and I understand that as I've taken five jobs in my life. And, and that's yeah. the way that goes. And so, Porter, as you've gone forward, this particular team you've got, you in Northern Iowa are picked toward the top of the Missouri Valley. You've got a unique young man in Cameron Crutwig, who is a big physical uh, post, but really, you know, he reminds me of uh, the Joker, Jokic. Yeah. You know, he is a great passer. H how does a guy like that change your playing style? And what have you done different as you've realized his abilities? Because really, he was a big, slow guy. You know, I, I talked to Fran McCaffrey last week about Luca Garza, but Cameron Crutwig was, you know, uh, 
you know, was there was no physical lift. He was not jumping high. He was not, you know, but he was a physical player, played hard, smart player, vocal player when you watch him on the recruiting trail. And now you see the things that you run schematically. It uh, seems like a lot of Princeton, NBA, uh, EuroLeague kind of things. Um, how have you involved him? How, how has your scheme changed with him? Uh, tell me, because I, I, I believe he's a focal point of that. I don't know if you agree with that or not. <laughs> no, for sure, Tim. And it's, it's one of those things as coaches, like his intangibles, like you mentioned, he doesn't have, you know, a lift that he's top of the square or all that stuff. His intangibles are off the charts. How competitive he is, one of the best practice players comes every day. I've heard something along the way, you know, people who can't have a bad practice are the head coach and your best player. They yeah. can't have a bad practice in terms of energy, uh, vocalness. He hasn't had a bad practice in four years. He's the loudest guy in practice. And then his passing skills. I've never, he, uh, his first year, we just, we were, we had some really good guards, Clayton Custer, Marcus Towns, Dante Ingram, Ben Richardson. And those guys were leaders. They were running the offense and, then the, then the next years that we lost a couple of those guys, it almost like he was a point five, uh, a, a five man who was our point guard. We ran so much through him. He was making reads, talking guys through stuff, and it just evolved. And it, it was fun, creatively, offensively, to, to look and, and come up with stuff and steal stuff from, from all over. NBA, EuroLeague, I love stealing. Um, it's a great comment, right? Well, you're not the only uh, one. <laughs> but it, it was fun to just watch stuff going, God, that would be great for Crutway that you've never run before. Like, we didn't run a lot of stuff that we're running now with him in my previous years because we just didn't have that kind of guy. And um, he gives you a lot of weapons, but he's an, an A-plus human being off the floor. That's what's fun. I love coaching him. I love going to battle with him. I love, you know, he just – and it's just, it's just a tremendous he'll, – he'll go down – like is, is probably one of the greatest players that ever played at Loyola. I mean, if we have a normal season, he's 20 wins away from having the most wins was, ever by a player in the history of Loyola. I was just going to say, he's got to be one of the winningest players ever. And, and yeah, that's, he's that's so 20, much right he's there. 20 wins, he breaks, he breaks the record for the most wins ever in a four-year career. Yeah, now, Michael Weinstein, five? right? What if he gets five? Oh, boy. <laughs> he's going to shatter well, that record. He was a Weinstein guy, right? Uh, yeah, he played for Mike. Yeah. He played for Mike Weinstein. Mike did a great job with him. And, uh, and he played at Jacobs High School. Um, he had some really good coaches along the way to help him. Yeah, Wine, uh, Mike has got always a tall, strong, low-to-the-ground big guy uh, yeah. every year on his AU team. I've, I've never seen a guy with more guys uh, kind of the same mold. So uh, luckily, he's a Chicagoland guy, so you might have – you know, you might be able to replace Cameron because I'm sure Mike will find somebody for you. But Yeah, we're hoping. Yeah, <laughs> we, we all do, don't we? Yep. So um, as you look at this, you know – I look at the, you know, I, because we're such close personal friends. Um, and even though you went to Creighton uh, and, you know, yes, sir, yes, sir. Yeah, and Todd, and a guy like Todd Eisner is your friend. I, I forgive you for all that. I just, you Jeez. know, forgive I, me. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Should, so be... I went to a Benedictine school up at Mary college in Bismarck. So, you know, Jesuits, we, we just kind of got to figure you guys out. Hey, Tim, you're, you're really ingratiating you with the Blue Jay fans even more right now. <laughs> <laughs> is that possible? Man, the Blue Jay fans right now are saying that even really the reasons in the list why they love Timmy Miles. Yeah, yeah. Well, they loved me a lot better when I was getting my butt whipped by them. But anyhow, <laughs> so, so, but it seems to me in your learning community, you know, you've grown up and, and uh, you, Tony Baroni was who you were with. But the two really groups now that 
that I, I hear you draw from is a the Motley Crew, which is a group of coaches uh, that uh, have befriended uh, each other and, and and huddle up at the Final Four, which I'm lucky enough to be uh, adopted into, uh, and and Rick Majerus. And so first, I want to talk about your time at St. Louis with Rick Majerus and any great Rick Majerus story you might have um, that is suitable for uh, uh, public consumption. You know, <clears throat> that was one of the most amazing times of my life for many reasons. One, I, I went to St. Louis in one of the darkest professional times of my life. You know, it just and, got uh, let go in Illinois State. Just got let go in Illinois State, and I was uh, I was bitter. I was harboring, you know, so many feelings that I didn't get a chance to finish. We were trying to turn that program around and I was just bitter. And um, I had a chance to go take a job at a very low level in division one. And my ego was telling me to go take it, you know, like, uh, you know, go prove yourself. Go, yeah, go, fight you know. your way back. Yeah. I'm going to be a head coach still. I was just a head coach at two different spots. And then Rick Majerus called me. I went down to the Kingwood classic. Remember Hal Pastor's Kingwood? Yeah. Classic, yeah. Right? Down in Houston. And remember, you couldn't go into the gym until five o'clock. Yeah, yeah. It was like stupid. Like you're there, all the coaches are there. Why do you gotta wait till five o'clock to yeah, walk? We had big parking lot parties beforehand. It was <laughs> yes, you like, did. You want and, good gossip? Hit but the so I'm not, lot. I'm unemployed. So I went in at like noon. I went in early. And I'm I'm getting all the thing, talking thing, and I'm just so I was there two days and I flew back <clears throat> and I remember landing and driving back over to St. Louis and I get a phone call and it's like, hey Porter, Rick Majerus here. And I'm like, I thought it was like Eisner. Yeah, hang up. Like messing hang up. Because Eisner's got that Wisconsin accent <laughs> that, he, that, he, that he tries to get you with. And all of a sudden he started talking. I'm like, there's no way. This is Rick Majerus. No way we talk. So we talked like literally like an hour and a half on the way there. Never met. So he said he was about to take the St. Louis job. And we kind of talked that whole week and he offered me the job. And with, you know, over the phone, over, over a series of conversations. And uh, turned out I, I, I chose it because I'm like, that's where I'm going to learn the most. And what, what I can't tell you in four years with him being by his side, what I've learned from him, it just, it was unbelievable. He has such an amazing mind. He was so good to me. Um, I mean, he really let me coach, gave me, a, gave me my confidence back. You know, he gave me my confidence back. And, uh, and then along the way, I just was so ready to, to, to do it again. And, uh, but he just, you, you miss him. He, you know, I got tons of stories. We could do a whole other podcast, which we've done at the final four. Yeah. Me and Chris yeah. Harriman, Harry, who's part of the Motley Crew, and Matt Gordon Flash, who's on my staff. We'll get in a circle. We'll start spinning Coach Pajera stories. And that thing can go in a different direction. But I will tell you, we and you talk about how we met. All right. I remember in Vegas, how you and I met was, remember how you sit in Vegas, like at Durango or something, you're under the basket and you're sitting yeah. on those chairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all yeah. of a sudden you see it's time to go. And some people are on the back wall and you're trying to run by. And I run, I was running, you were under the basket and I was running by to go to another game. And you go, Porter. And I go, what? He goes, I heard you, I had St. Louis. I heard you're in the Cancun challenge. So am I, you're at Colorado State. And I go, yep, we are. And he goes, I need to go to dinner with you and Majerus when we're there. Like, that's what you wanted to do. You wanted to go to dinner with Coach Majerus and I. And that's how I met. And then I ran out the door. And then me and you connected. And that we, then we ended up connecting. Well, then you and I had dinner. Majerus got sick. Uh, right. And, and yeah. so, uh, and we did have dinner. And I forget, who won the championship of that, <laughs> that event? Yeah. Oh, Colorado State did. Yeah. Colorado State did win the championship. Yeah. Very good. Christmas you guys had night, a really I good think. team. You had a bunch of positionless, undersized guys that were really yeah. hard. You had a good team. Yeah, we did. We did. We pressed uh, Larry Stacey in Southern Miss, and we beat Ole Miss. And uh, 
App State had a score. It was it was fun, yeah. you know. But we didn't get to square up with St. Louis, unfortunately. But that's the way it goes, you know. I um, uh, as I look back, you know, Rick Majerus, and again, I just where do you begin and end with the guy? How did he spend offense? How did he spell offense? <laughs> I, I just heard him there say it a million there? times. I don't know if I ever saw him spell spell <laughs> it with with, with uh, offense, but he did it. We got so many stories. I mean. One of one of the, one of my favorite ones that I that I can tell on this podcast, but like he had a guy named Barry Everhart. Barry Everhart was a, a, a six seven, very strong, power forward. That um, and he wanted Rick had an affinity for post players. He wanted Barry to be this guy, Charles Barkley on the block beating guys up, and Barry wanted to shoot threes all the time. Yeah, and Barry wanted to be on the perimeter. And Barry, Barry's such a good kid, and so. All the time, him and Rick always battled about, you know, Barry, get inside. Barry wanted to be on the perimeter. So we're in one game. And he has ran motion, right? So you, he yeah. had options. Yeah. So, um, so we get, Barry gets a rebound or a loose ball and he gets it like at the other elbow. And all of a sudden, Barry starts leading the break. And like, I remember like Harry, Chris, we're all, Al Jensen, we're all like leaning back, like, oh God. And so Barry's leading the break. And I can just see Coach Majerus like, like leaning towards the, the, and Barry's leading the break, leading the break, comes down, goes behind his back, throws a pass behind his back. It, like, goes over Kevin Lish's head, goes over the cheerleader's head, and it lands, like, in the fourth row over there. It, it just sailed. And it went to a media timeout, and Coach Majerus comes storing on the floor. Barry! Barry! You're off the team! You're off the team. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wasn't telling him to sub out. Yeah. He told him to off You're the gone. Team. You're gone. That was his one shining moment. He blew it. Barry comes over to the bench and he's like to Harry and I. He's like, "Well, what should I do?" I'm like, "Just sit there. You're not off the team." Like, okay, yeah, you just down. you're gonna be gone for a while. Just don't ever do that again. That's right. That's awesome. Well, the Motley Crew, which is a group that gets together. I mean, yeah, some Philadelphia guys: Dave Pauly, Steve Donahue, uh, Ivy League guys: Mike Martin, you know, John Gallagher at Hartford, right? Group of guys like you would DP, David Patrick at, at Arkansas, Harry, Chris Harriman. Yeah. Um, Joe Mahalik. Oh, the Mahalik's, yeah, Joe. Um, and we, we got some financial guys, Harry and Babs. And yep. uh, we, got we got guys some commissioners. We got Lebo, Dan Lebowitz. Dan Lebowitz, uh, who was with the, well, head coach at Hartford, assistant at Temple under Don Chaney, assistant with Mike Dunlap in the NBA. Now he's uh, assistant commissioner in the SEC. It's a great mix of guys. It's really a lot of fun. And uh, earlier, folks, uh, uh, C.J. Moore did a great piece on, on the group in The Athletic. Matt Norlander uh, met with Porter and some of the fellas, I think Mike Martin and uh, 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 John Gallagher and maybe Chris Harriman at the Final Four at one point. And so it's a, it's a well-known underground group. And uh, Yeah, so that, like how it started was like, we, we've been friends at different things. It was just kind of a, some East Coast guys. and whatever. So It was kind of a hodgepodge. And then we got to the final four on Wednesday afternoon and those get coaches were coming in that night. And they're all like, they wanted to meet at my hotel just to have a toast on Wednesday night before it really got crazy. Yeah, <laughs> so they in came San Antonio at your final four run. Yeah, so they came over, then he wrote an article and I, I, I think I've talked to you about this before. So that Norlander gave the, 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 the group Motley Crew because he was yeah. looking at it. It was such a hodgepodge of group. But I think it was because he saw Gallagher. 
you know, and Harry dressed to the nines and then you walk in and like bell bottom sweatpants. And he's like, <laughs> what a crew this is. Look at the, yeah. the hodgepodge of Motley crew. I, don't think I think I it was your dress code either. <laughs> that, that, that was able to get that. Cause you had some guys that were dressed, you know, so GQ. I looked like the pirate. Uh, that was, uh, it was, you know, folks, the, the, you have to understand the final four, if you're not in it, is like spring break for coaches. So it could go a lot of directions, you know, it could go a lot of directions. So, um, Porter, tell me about your family, your wife, yeah. Megan, of course, who I've met, we've had dinner. Uh, what a doll, what a great woman, yeah. uh, very supportive of you, uh, your children. Talk, talk to us about your family and how all of this has affected them. So to, I, I played for Tony Brony at Creighton, and then when Tony – uh, Coach B got the Texas A&M job. That was my first coaching job. And I met my wife in Texas. She's from there. I met her, you know, 28 years ago. And, um, uh, you know, Mrs. Baroni was like the, the, the matriarch of our, pro our programs at Creighton. And, man, she just really was a huge influence on Megan in terms of being a coach's wife. And we have four beautiful kids. I have uh, my daughter is a sophomore on the Loyola team, and then I have three teenage boys. So, but I tell you, you know, you're not, you know, you, you, if, if I had a coach tell me, if you're not in the if you're in the profession long enough, everybody's been fired. And the thing that you don't understand about when you get fired is is your family, how it affects them. How it affects them, no doubt. And the so to see them go through the journey um, <clears throat> to the Final Four was really cool with them because you know how that is. Your rock, your family, your wife, yeah. they're your rock. They're the, they're the ones that are hearing the ups and downs. The sometimes you got as a coach, you put on a front, you know, onto the media and everything, and you get a home at really? night. Really, really. We don't always tell the media the truth. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> and, and, but you just feel like, you know, that, that pressure and just to have coaches, wives, coaches, kids, you know, they, it's hard. I mean, they hear it in school, uh, you know, they're not immune to it. And, and it, it, you know, everybody's like, Oh, you get paid this amount of money, blah, 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 blah. It, I tell you the heartache is never worth one, any amount of money. There's no uh, amount of money to, tell, to have to sit there. And I had to tell my daughter, I'm no longer the, the, the Redbird coach. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a hard thing. Or just to have them see it on the ticker in the NCAA. Yeah. You know, yeah. oh. I, 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 I got that in my, my well, book, Tim, my shameless and, plug. Yeah, we're, my, my you got to hold that real still. In. Yeah, I, so I, Porter does have a book called All In, <laughs> available uh, uh, at Loyola Printing, uh, available on Amazon, you name it. Uh, once again, unfulfilled promise. Some of us were going to get autographed copies. Um, Who's that? Uh, well, you said on one of the Zooms you were going to take care of us. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I did. I think you had a glass. Was, I mean, you had a glass of wine. I. Yeah, <laughs> that was me. And and um, uh, no, I swear to God. Well, we asked for an autograph copy. Isn't that the same thing as you promised? No, you know what? I can see. I can see that with that group that they couldn't. They couldn't pay fourteen dollars. For, no. uh, well, for why the book, we're going when to a we, good cause. So I, I, I can see that group all wanted free copies. So I, I, you're right. True. It probably did happen. True. So we all wanted a free autographed copy. You kind of, like, you didn't say no. You didn't say no. So I'm still waiting for mine. Send me your uh, address. Send me your address, Timmy. Folks, <laughs> if this happens, all right, I'll buy an extra one and read it aloud some podcast. Ooh, okay. okay. Great book. Tell us about your journey. Um, uh, you know, I, an ironic situation is, is you've got a proverb in there, you know, fall seven, you know, keep getting up. Fall uh, seven, rise eight. Yeah. So uh, there's another Chinese proverb, uh, fall seven, get up eight or, or rise eight, the same thing. Um, so I use that with my team one time when we were kind of up and down. 
And my best player, Siobhan Shields, uh, goes up for a layup. I'm sorry, is on defense. And a kid from Rutgers uh, shot fakes. He jumps. And, and when he steps through, he takes out Siobhan's legs. Siobhan goes, whoop, falls right on his head, out unconscious. Oh, Major wow. concussion. We put him on a, a thing, you know, a neck deal. Put him on an ambulance. Uh, you know, he's in the hospital. Misses five games. We go one and four. And I said, I'm never doing the fall seven, get up eight. <laughs> well, I hope you weren't saying that to him as he was getting his no, neck down. I, I, I hope I you weren't worried. motivating him above his I, head or something. I was worried for it. Get up. <laughs> get up. No, I was worried for his life. Um, yeah, honestly, it was, it was one of the most haunting moments we've had uh, as a coach. And, and so I, I actually did chuckle when I saw fall seven, get up eight, because it just works better for some than, than others. And, and yeah. that's why you're such a good person. And maybe I'm still working on it. Well, maybe it's not a literal thing when a kid falls on his head, you, you use it, you use it. I use it sometimes when something doesn't go my way or yeah. a, a setback in my life or a setback. With I the used game. it before I used it pregame <laughs> and then he went down. So it was yeah, just, a, it was bad karma. I don't, I don't think I used it to a kid who landed on his head. I, I don't think I've used I it. didn't either. It just happened after I used it. So <laughs> Anyhow, that's, that's the heck of it. So, uh, but, but, you know, as we go through life and, and we see these things, I, I just want to give you a, a couple of things and then we'll wrap up. All right. Okay. You've been uh, generous with your time. I know you're busy with the team. Um, uh, uh, and we're going to wrap up with a couple more things on your team, but I want a word association. Okay. I'm going to give you a word and you just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. <clears throat> right. Chicago Cubs. Oh, <laughs> I, happiness. I mean, I, I, Wrigley Field's my safe, my fun place. I, I just, the greatest franchise. I love him. Has anybody sung the seventh inning stretch more than you for the Cubs in the last 10 years? Any oh, local yeah. coach? A lot of the Chicago people. I, I know Fitz at Northwestern has sang it a bunch. I, uh, you know, I think Eddie Vedder sings it like every year. Bill Murray sings it every year. So those are all your buds too now, right? Because you're a big shot. I, I wish. I'll, I'll follow, I mean, I have seen Pearl Jam a number of times at Wrigley. <laughs> That is classic. Um, so, so happiness. Okay. St. Louis Cardinals. Frustration. You know, you whip I, them I in the regular there. season. They're such a great franchise and they've been good for so many years that I want to hate them and I do, but it's frustration because they, they, they just run things the right way. They've been a classy organization. It's just been frustration. Of course, that's my favorite team and, uh, and John Beeline's favorite team, by the way, former mm -hmm. Michigan coach. Um, uh, Creighton. Just memories, you know, the, the teammates, the friends for life, the winning championships, winning Missouri Valley, going to the NCAA with a group of guys, and just unbelievable time in my life, memories. Who, who was your head coach? Tony Baroni. Yeah. Uh, Todd Eisner, the head coach at Winona State right now, is a guy we referenced earlier, was at Midland College in Nebraska when I met him uh, when I got down here, also an assistant at Creighton uh, for a time. Um, great coach, great friend. Yeah, Michigan. Ooh, just anger um, because like in Chicagoland, I, I was, I was just so aware of seeing that M everywhere after we lost. And it just, we had a, a terrible seven possession stretch that, you know, that they, they played great. We played awful in that seven minute stretch that they flipped the lead. And, um, but it was funny. My, I got a picture and I tweeted it out. If you want to go back that Halloween after that, and I said, this is apropos. The very first Halloween trick-or-treater I had was a big kid, big Michigan 
uh, emblem, had the big M, and it's everywhere, everywhere in Chicago. You see the M everywhere. So yeah. probably anger. I, I and, and again, that was the semifinal loss uh, where he had a chance to go on and play Villanova, who won the championship that year. Um, and we had played uh, half the teams in that final four that year when I was at Nebraska. We lost to Kansas on a last second deal and split with Michigan. And I noticed you didn't call me for a scouting report on that one, but <laughs> I, may, I, may, I don't know. I, I think know. I did, and you didn't give it to me. Yeah, uh, sure. Okay, let's <laughs> go with that. I would have just said, are you the first coach to wear the sneaker dress shoe in the Final Four? The Cole Hawn kind of uh, – Oh, at the Final Four? Yeah, wow. I, think, I think you're the first. Really? Boy, I think so. Really? I've been watching for a long time, and I've seen penny loafers and – and floor shimes, but I don't think I've ever seen the sneaker dress shoe the way you rocked it. I tell you, my, my heels, like before, when, you know, I, I guess I was a heel stomper. My, yeah, people, your knees but, get sore. And, but my heels get sore. And then when I went to those, it was a no-brainer, man. I should get some Take better shock absorption? Oh, man. You know how it is on the Coaches versus Cancer Awareness Day when we all get to wear tennis shoes? We're yeah. running up and down the sideline, jumping. I mean, our mobility is everywhere. I mean, I always feel great after that game. And I finally yeah. said, you know what? I'm going with these. I, I, um, when I squat too much, my knees get really sore. Um, I'm not a stomper. You know, so you're a stomper. Coaches do some weird shit, right? I didn't I mean, realize just, I was a stomper. I just, my wife told me one time, and I was like, maybe that's why my heel's always sore after the game. Yeah, got to be heels and hip and all that. I mean, that's not easy on you. Guy. I'm not a whistler to get people's attention. I, I can't whistle very loud. Steve Donahue can whistle. I've oh, never. Wow, he's got wow, a, can he whistle? An annoyingly loud whistle. Yeah, I hate those guys that can whistle. Yeah, they do it so easy. They just, yeah. you know, and I can do the one where you put your cuss your fingers together like. See, I can't even do it anymore. Yeah, you got to tighten up that hand, that left hand. Yeah, but you can't. You can't really do that in a game. It's, it's you know. No, it doesn't. Awkward. So when I was in Dolan, South Dakota. There was, you know, 200 people in my town. My, I was the youngest of five. My parents would go to bed, and I would open my screen at night, and I was on the second floor. I'd climb out on our roof and then shimmy down a tree, get on my bike, and we'd do the, you know, to our buddies. And um, so we, we knew, we'd planned it that night. Hey, 11, 11.30, I'll come get you. So I'd go get Terry and go get Tony, and then we'd raise hell till about 1 a.m. and then head back home, climb up the tree right in the screen. and. Like there mom, that mom was more baby. of a yodel than a whistle, right there, though. I mean, you yodeled. I mean, I, I, I whistled. You got to create the it, whistle. It was not. It was not my best. It was not. Yeah, that's can't do it. Can't <laughs> do it. We may edit this out, folks. Yeah, you go but, ahead. But uh, um, Porter, um, uh, continuing with word association. All right. Uh, COVID nineteen. You know, I heard a great word related that uh, from Joe Girardi. I just did a Zoom with him. Patience. Yeah, good he said, point. You got to really talk to your team. He said you, about patience. You can't do what you want to do, normally do now. You got to be thinking of the end result. You got to have patience with all this because it's frustrating. You don't socially, you know, all these things. We got to have patience. We'll get there someday, but you got to have patience, you know. And that, that word comes after a number of other words that I've experienced over the last six, seven months, you know. You know, yeah, we've all used those words. Frustration, all that. But the, the new word that I just heard from Joe was, was patience and like how he talked to his team. We want, this is our end goal. We want to get here. We want to play the season. We want to do things and be healthy and safe. We got to have patience to go through what we're going through right now. The, 
the social distancing, the, the mask, the everything. We got to have patience. I thought that was a pretty good way of looking at it. And that's going to continue through the season. I mean, you're going to have, you know, ups and downs and hiccups and starts and stops probably. And the same thing is going to apply. Um, Porter, I, I tell you, you're a great guest. I appreciate you being on the greatest podcast of all time, Inside the Mind of Miles. There's no question. You'll never be on a better one. See, Tim, that's why How does it make you feel? Uh, it's good. No, it makes you feel great, Tim. That's what people, uh, people just enjoy you and like you so much because you're authentic and you're, you're high energy and you're fun and you coach that. You've always been you. I, I told someone today that I was doing a podcast with you and they're like, man, Tim's authentic. He, he, is, who, he is his own person and you've never changed. And you just got a great energy about yourself, Tim. Well, thank you. And, and I've hired a few Porter assistants over the years yes, uh, because I'm, the guys you get from Porter Mosier are organized, high-level recruiters, great energy guys, really know how to coach. And, and Porter, you know, when I first got to know you, I thought you were a great recruiter and just hadn't paid attention enough to your ability to coach because when you're at Little Rock, I just didn't see you very much. Um, and then Illinois State, I was just breaking into Division One. But watching your Loyola teams, how well they execute offensively and defensively, um, you are one of the best tacticians in the country. Congratulations. Keep it up. Uh, I'm, I'm really uh, happy you've been on the show. Best of luck with this year's team. Looks like a big fight. Northern Iowa's got a good club. Really good. Really, you know, really. AJ, um, Green. AJ Green's the best player the country doesn't know about. He turned out – tur- like he – I tried to recruit the crap out of him. And Kyle Green, of course, the assistant at UNI, I'm like, you don't want to play for your dad. Why would you play for him? And, and now, what's with these co- coaches? Now Darren DeVries' kid's going to go play for him. He's, like, really good, too. No, I know. McDermott's it's, son played for him in the Valley. Yeah. I mean, and he was signed at Northern Iowa already. Yeah, sure did. You know, and because uh, Ben Jacobson was his godfather. But, you know, uh, maybe your kids will perk up. Maybe my kids will perk up, and we'll be okay. I'm about to go do drive when, – when Tucker DeVries committed to Drake, I, was, I had my boys in the driveway. My <laughs> driveway Come on, kids. Hold the follow-through. Yeah. Hold the follow-through. Yeah. We're out here till midnight. Okay? <laughs> I don't care what your mom says. That's right. You got to switch <laughs> that last shot from the corner. <laughs> yeah. In the driveway, that. in the dark, with the wind blowing in Chicago. Porter, thanks for coming on. We love you. Uh, good luck right. this love season. You, uh, tell Sister Jean – I love her, and uh, I appreciate her forgiveness. You got it, Tim. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our time with Porter Moser, Oil of Chicago. He's a great guy, and you can see why he's such an easy interview. Coach, we got two high-energy guys there. I mean, and we've always talked about how they get so fired up and riled up. There's got to be times in your career. I know you've only been ejected once, but you got to be able to tell us a couple (laughs) times. It wasn't my fault. (laughs) A couple times. One of those stories. We've had some interactions with referees over the days, and there's a lot of them that are really funny. Um, you know, the refs are trying to do their best, and they know the coaches are all wound up. I remember Ed Hightower. Um, I said, I yelled at him, you're so big time, Ed Hightower. He just got done doing like eight Final Fours in a row. He teed me up, and it was uh, 43 seconds into the game. <laughs> I mean, like, he whacked <laughs> me right away. And we actually got to be good friends after that. Um, I remember another ref telling me one time, um, he says, uh, uh, I said, you know, last time we played Michigan, you called that same crap, blah, blah, blah. I'm not taking, we're playing like Purdue or somebody. I'm not taking this. He goes, coach, don't major in history. They're all dead. <laughs> and he just <laughs> ran away, ran away. But, but one of my favorites, I have to tell you, was Scott Thornley. 
I was in the Mountain West of Colorado State. Scott Thornley is a longtime official, very good official. And, um, and he, uh, uh, we were, all we had to do was beat TCU. You remember that last year to make the, mm-hmm. we knew we were in as an at-large if we beat TCU. And we beat them. And then we ended up losing a real, really good game in the semis, I think, uh, to uh, San Diego State. But Thornley, toward the end of the game, we're up like 13 points. There's a couple minutes left, and it's pretty apparent we're, we're going to win. And I'm, I'm on Eric Curry's butt like crazy. Eric's a Minneapolis guy, and it looks like, you know, Bill Clinton out there. And um, uh, uh, so I'm on Curry pretty good. And, and, Thornley, and, and Eric turns over like, like to give me the business. Hey, hey, that's enough. And all of a sudden, I hear Thornley come from the baseline because they're right in front of us. No, 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 I've got this, okay? Now, I've been there five years with these Mount West guys, and I'm just lit the whole time. And he says, um, he says uh, technical foul on the bench uh, at Colorado State, head coach. And I said, what? What was that for? And I just walked right into it. He goes, Timmy, it's my last game, and that's five years of accumulating bullshit. You want any more? <laughs> You've accumulated bullshit for five years, you know. So what do you do? It was a pretty good line. I think it was a good way for him to go out. It was his little swan song, you know, take a bow moment. And, um, you know, I have respect for that. He's right. I was on their case for a long time. This is a chance for him to go out with a bang. So he banged. So, yeah, those things happen, Greg. Well, um, you and I have different memory of that instance because uh, I remember looking when that happened and you staring him down before he told you that looking at Craig Smith and Nico Medved, who are now at Utah State and Colorado State, and saying, I swear to God, if that just cost us, I'm going to kill the guy tonight. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and the game was not over, but, but we, we managed. We managed, and, and those are the days, and, and those are some of the fun stuff. And, and uh, Greg, I appreciate you joining us today. Inside the Mind of Miles, we'll see you next week. We've got a great show coming up. Uh, again, I think you're going to enjoy the coaches' interviews. Uh, We've got a lot of exciting things coming up in the future and stick with us. And this will be a lot of fun as we grow and develop over the course of time. Greg, thanks for joining us as my right-hand man. Or are you on my left side or right side? I can't tell on the Zoom. I I think I'm on your right. Okay, there you go. See, he's my right-hand man. And uh, I appreciate you being on. And until next week, uh, stay safe and we'll see you soon. I hope everybody had a good vote and hope this thing gets settled soon. 